Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you today, it's just the two of us, right? Yes, good morning. (laughs) Good morning, how are you? I am fabulous. Uh, Ray Lyon, our Associate Director here at Missouri Training Institute, and me, Brianna Larimer, and uh, Dewey is out training yet again. Yes. We we keep him busy. Yes, that's good, (laughs) right? Somebody's got to be bringing home the bacon. That's right. Well, we have all been, uh, it seems like, go, go, going uh, over the last few weeks. I want to spend some time today. Um, You know, I know that Gallup's State of the Global Workforce 2022 report uh, just came out hot off the press. And, you know, there were some interesting things I noticed in this, and I thought we could have a discussion on it. Um, One of the the main things we're seeing here is engagement is down again, Mm -hmm. uh, whereas two years ago, it was higher than it had ever been. And we see that stress is higher than it's been in a while. Mm -hmm. And just overall well-being is low. There's a lot of different things that are going on in this report, but those were kind of the highlights. And I guess I'm just kind of wondering what's going on? (laughs) Where are we at? I know, you know, that it, it didn't surprise me in a way um, because I think you know, we had been at such a unique position, you know, 24 months ago, the whole world was shifting. Um, we were all being um, uh, a kinder, gentler um, place because we were really living through it all at the same time. And so we were experiencing all of the same things. And I find, you know, when when we can identify with what the other person might be going through because we're going through the exact same thing, mm-hmm. um, it does in some ways create a, a movement or a shift. And so especially one that's statistically, um, you know, Uh, noticeable, right? Yes. When the whole world is doing it. And so now that we've kind of settled in and we've said, okay, well, this is, this is our new space. um, Sometimes we, we go back into old habits. Mm, Yeah. That's a great point. That is a great point. And as, as we think about that, I mean, up until 2020, engagement had had been low and then 2020 hit and engagement actually went up and now mm-hmm. we're here we are kind of just going back to what we were before so you're right kind of getting back into those same old habits and same old even mental habits sure. you know of, of yeah. where, where we're at now um i'm curious you know as we think about this uh and kind of heading into the the major part of our topic here but what do you think leadership's role might be in uh, some of these changes Oh, definitely. You know, I think leaders set the tone. Mm. And so um, struggling to keep that high level of intentionality and connection. And now, you know, maybe we've got people that we're leading that are in the office, not in the office. Some are sometimes in the office, you know, it's even more, um, you know, scattered, I guess, you know, at least if we were all at home or all in the office, um, you know, there, there could be some dedicated focus there, yeah. um, but you can't lead the same way uh, with your virtual employees than you can with your in-house. Um, in, you can't, but let me say this, 
it might be an indication of the fact that we are, that we're seeing lower levels of engagement. Mm, sure, sure. Yeah, it, it is definitely, you know, and I just got done working with a client. And we talked about that where they're, they're doing the hybrid work environment. Mm-hmm. So their people are in the office three days and then two days at home. And originally when they were all fully remote and she said she has already started seeing some dynamics change because we're interacting with each other again in person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our leaders are having opportunities to to engage their employees face-to-face to have those water cooler conversations, the things that, that we weren't getting as much before. Right. And so it definitely, I, I, I do agree and I do as reluctant as I was to come back to the office, I see the benefit in it, um, certainly. And I can see how it would make the leadership's position a little bit easier. You know, I'm hearing this coined term. um, And I I guess I'm curious about your thoughts on this, but I'm seeing a lot about this concept of servant leadership. seems like this is everywhere. A lot of different articles that we've read. Um, And I, as I started really processing this a little bit more, I I realized that this term servant leadership is nothing more than the idea of leadership that we've been talking about for, (laughs) for ever since the beginning of this podcast, since the beginning of MTI at that. So help me understand a little bit in your eyes, what is servant leadership? Well, definitely. I think by putting the word servant in front of leadership, you know, it, it turns heads. Oh, we've got something new. Um, And so, again, you know, kind of a a new um, uh, energy around leadership by defining it as being a servant leader. And then, like you said, as you unpack it, you're like, wait a minute, you know, these are the things great leaders should be doing. And now, you know, the the servant part comes in front of it um, and and lends itself. So it, it really does show the power of words. Mm, yeah. Um, in our language, when I, I'm kind of with you, Brianna, I think this is, this is great leadership, regardless of what you're calling it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as I started reading through it, um, you know, the main, the primary emphasis, the thing that really sticks out with this is that through this concept of servant leadership, is they're, they're, denoting it. Um, it's it's really just a primary emphasis on well-being. And as we've talked about before on previous podcasts, well-being right now being as low as it is, um, you know, there there is a demand for leaders uh, to start investing a little bit more in this area. So I can see why it's popular right now. Um, but truly that, you know, well, well-being, being that primary emphasis on well-being of the people that work for you. Yeah. And you're right. That's great leadership at its core. So as we consider this, you know, traditionally, I think we've always thought that leadership is kind of that we think of the pyramid, right? The top of the pyramid mm-hmm. leadership's at the top. They're exercising the power and authority at the top. There's that hierarchy of it. And what this new model and this concept that that's out there now is servant leadership. It's flipping that pyramid. Mm-hmm. It's really making sure that the the leaders are now serving the folks and taking care of of their well-being needs, which includes a lot of, uh, surprisingly, a lot of the professional development elements, which we've seen a lot of companies uh, investing more in now. We're getting a lot more calls these days. So we've opened up some training budgets, which is great. Yes. 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I know you've heard me say this for years, and that is take care of your people, mm-hmm. and your people will take care of the work. And so again, just how we're taking care of the people might be looking different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and one of those is an increased emphasis in making sure that our people are trained. And I know, especially coming out of, of the last 24 months, with a lot of people rethinking their career paths, um, it's created a lot of open positions. Yeah. And so people are being moved into those and, and specifically those of supervisory responsibilities, um, even into leadership positions or what we would you know, traditionally call the, the leaders of the leaders um, without any skills mm, or yeah. you know, without any real focus on the accessing those types of resources. And so, yeah, a lot of people are struggling. And I think when, when they feel like they're letting their people down because of their lack of skill development, then that's naturally going to trickle throughout. Sure. sure. And that's kind of that, you know, wash of lower engagement and um, maybe even a drop in morale, Yeah, um, which ultimately leads to a drop in productivity. Right, right. And if there's lack of productivity, then guess what? There's also lack of profits to all of our yeah. leaders out there. Yeah. So. And, you know, and then it's hard to argue, you know, people over profits, hmm. you know, when your profits are dropping. And, you know, one of the first thing a lot of companies do is stop uh, professional development because mm-hmm. that costs money or, you know, cut their staff because that's their biggest expense. And so a, a lot of brave organizations are finding how can we do everything but that? Mm-hmm. And those are some really great organizations to model yourself after. Mm-hmm. What I thought was interesting in this, uh, as I was researching it, one of the talking about organizations that is, um, you know, acclaimed for having great a great servant leadership model is actually Southwest Airlines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was intriguing to me because, you you know, I've, I've rode South, Southwest several times uh, and Herb Keller, their founder there of Southwest, he's actually cited as a model servant leadership corporation. And so really, as you kind of think back to what he did and what he focused on, it's it resulted in higher engagement, lower turnover, uh, 35 plus consecutive years of profitability and this unheard record during a turbulent airline industry. And wow. so he he really did change the focus. And I even think what are some of those little things, the kind of boots on the ground things that you see from an organization like that? And I think I just heard in the news a couple of weeks ago that there was a couple wanting to go and uh, get married in Vegas and their flight got delayed and they just were convinced they weren't going to make it to, to Vegas. And so they let them get married on the airplane. Oh my you know? gosh. Yeah. <laughs> they let them get married on the airplane and the, uh, the pilot got on the intercom and uh, he sang a jingle and there was an ordained minister. I mean, it all just worked wow. out the, the way it needed to. But I mean, you think about how many organizations would feel comfortable saying, let's just do this. Let's just take care of our customers to that extent. So to your point, you know, you take care of your people, your, your people take care of the work. Um, and, and for 35 years, you know, Southwest has been one of those model organizations for that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when, when I just hear things like that, even not knowing what I know, but uh, I, I really look at these organizations that are thriving um, with employees that, mm-hmm. that take on that responsibility. And to me, it's organizations that have fewer rules. 
Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so what they're doing is they're they're sharing their values with their employees and what those values look like. And then they're trusting them to go forth and enact them. Right. You know, if they want to make the customer speaking, let's say of Southwest in the example you just gave, you know, viewed as a great experience. Wow. And you're empowered to do that as an employee because you don't have to ask your boss who has to ask his boss and he has to ask her boss and, you know, uh, those kinds of things. Then, yeah. Wow. If I feel I own the power as an employee, um, that that is that brings with it um, mm-hmm. some intrinsic uh, motivation to fulfill. Absolutely. That that sense of autonomy um, that you can get from an organization like that. And that's exactly kind of what speaks to some of these concepts in servant leadership is the idea that by turning that pyramid upside down and by focusing more on letting the people run the business in a way and serving them to meet their needs to get the work done. Well, you know, I mean, Southwest employees actually own the business. That's part of their compensation um, mm. as, you know, like employee owners. I didn't so realize that. That was one way that they said, you have a stake in this. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have a stake in this. Yes. But, you know, I, I think a lot of times we are um, a society that um, is very goal driven. Mm-hmm. Right. Set a goal, achieve it, check it off, move on. And when we strive to make achievements happen through things that are tangible, a lot of times we take shortcuts, you know, because we've you know, we don't have time or, you know, maybe we don't have the skill set, but servant leadership requires some short-term pain, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think for those long-term gains. And so as a servant leader, you have to be patient because, you know, in, instead of making that decision yourself, just because it's quicker, you know, what would it take to empower your employees to be making those decisions? Right. Right. Instead of you just waving the wand and, and, you know, this is what it's going to be, you know, or instead of fixing a problem, fixing a solution, teaching, mm-hmm. teaching your employees how to fix their own problems. And I'll, I'll tell you, people don't need to be fixed. Um, right. So it's it's not that. Right. Um, but it's the energy that's surrounding that. But teaching takes time. It does. Right? It does. And it takes time. You know, everything I was reading was saying, you know, as we kind of start thinking about that, if you're an organization and you really want to kind of focus a little bit on this model a little bit more, what are some things you can do? Well, the very first thing was really starting with this unselfish mind mindset, checking your motivation. You know, why is it that you want to be in this leadership position and leading this organization? What What is going to be your main focus and your main goal? So check your motivation and determine, is it about you? Or is it about your people in the organization? But then to your point, recognizing can can you sustain some of the difficulties that that might come with kind of turning this pyramid upside down temporarily, hopefully? Can your mm-hmm. culture sustain it? Can you can you sustain it to a point in which you get to that place where you are eventually thriving in this new model? Yeah. Um, and and you have to kind of analyze that, step back yeah. and analyze where's where are we currently at? Yeah. And that that can take a lot, especially in a very large organization with lots of layers. Um, You know, the culture is way bigger than what, you know, we here at Missouri Training Institute talk about climate. Climate might be, you know, your immediate department or unit um, or division, however, but kind of the smaller culture within 
a culture. So subculture, and then how do you control the climate? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. If it's, if, if you don't have a, a system that sustains that, that's a lot of wear and tear on leaders. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, we get worn down and then we start taking those shortcuts and we just fall in line. Um, Cause it takes a lot to stand against maybe a culture that hasn't quite evolved. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's little things that we can do to along the way, you know, some of the things I consider in this area is, and we mentioned this on a previous podcast episode, when we were talking about uh, the kind of the now hiring, you know, and the, some of the yeah. issues that were our potential candidates are running into. And I mentioned on, on that podcast, I said, you know, I think it's important that our, our leadership is involved from the very beginning. You know, we talked about a lot about the onboarding process. I told talked about the impact that it had when I went into my interview and you know, Dewey and you and an HR rep. I mean, everyone was involved from the beginning, from the director level on. And so when I think about even onboarding processes now, if you have somebody coming in, I mean, can the leader be involved in some of that as well? Getting to know people, um, kind of getting those initial introductions, getting acquainted in those conversations, but definitely allowing the individuals then to kind of come back and say, you know, what what are you seeing? What are some of your first observations or impressions of our organization? What are some of your opinions that you have right now from from just getting started? Because mm-hmm. what you do with that is that empowerment immediately where a person feels comfortable and being able, you set the precedent that, hey, you can talk about this kind of stuff here, you know? And so there's those little, little steps you can start taking, I think, mm-hmm. um, and then, and certainly kind of build up on it. Yeah. You know, and I, I definitely think those are organizational level changes, right? Mm-hmm. So you can implement new onboarding practices. You can, you know, increase your professional development budgets, you know, so that you can stay focused on your talent. Um, you know, you can do, uh, you know, everybody's required to do a Clifton Strengths assessment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those types of things. Those are organizational. And, and yeah, that's a great way to support the focus uh, people first. However, it always comes back to the, the leader, right? And, and one of Gallup's books, and honestly, I just love it for the title. It, it, it's good between the covers, but um, I think this title says it all, and it's called uh, It's the Manager. Mm. You know, and I pull that title out a bit, you know, when somebody uh, might be, you know, bemoaning a situation that they've got going on at work. And I just say, you know, it's the manager. They're like, what? You know, uh, but yeah, what what are you doing? You know, Mm -hmm. you don't control anybody but you. So you can have these system and organizational processes and absolutely, you know, starting at the beginning, like you mentioned with onboarding. But ultimately, it comes back to the leader Mm -hmm. because I can execute the process and have a really bad attitude about it. Mm -hmm. That's true. You know, and it almost negates the impact of the onboarding process. That's very Um, true. You know, one of the big places in this you hear across the board with this concept is humility. You know, and I think speaking exactly to what you're saying there, when you have a leader who can step back and say, look, this is on me. You know, what am I what am I doing here? Um, let's humble myself a little bit and let's see, OK, what should I be doing? What what more can I be doing? That's the servant, you know, and, and I think that speaks to that concept of servant leadership. And I think I I'll just going to side note to this. I feel so incredibly grateful because everything that I read on this is everything that you and Dewey are. 
And it's incredible to have such a model, uh, not just, you know, to, to go through on paper, but to actually see it, you know, and maybe that would be my encouragement to um, aspiring leaders out there. Find your person like that. You know, we've talked to, we had an episode on mentoring before and watch from afar, you know, be able to identify what are some of those things from those great leaders that you can take with you uh, as you continue on your journey. You know, this, this idea of servant leadership, you know, especially when it's coined um, with that term, I love the philosophy, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of an underpinning of what you owe your people, right? Mm -hmm. Because your employees deserve great leadership. Mm -hmm. Now, a, a danger that I see happening with servant leadership, i.e. leadership, is wanting to serve so much that boundaries aren't established. Great point. <laughs> yeah. Great point. You know, because, oh, in my need to serve you, you know, I'm taking phone calls at midnight or I'm. Yeah. And first of all, I don't want my people doing that. Yeah. I don't want you working at midnight, you know, much less do I. Yeah. Um, but again, those, those bumpers or those, those boundaries, I was thinking of a bowling alley with bumpers as well, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, they, they, they get fuzzy. And that can be a danger for somebody that's providing too much mm-hmm. um, of that and not establishing because you do, you have to be, you have to be compassionate, but you have to be uh, decisive, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it, there's definitely a delicate balance there. That's, that is a great point. And, you know, and I, I, I want to throw out there, um, I appreciate you saying that because it really, as you were saying, that brought me back to a conversation I just had with my husband a few months ago. You know, one of the things, and, and we've talked about it here, obviously, uh, aspiring leader myself, and uh, but I love people and I'm always looking for ways to connect with people and take care of other people. And we were at the pediatrician's office. <laughs> And I looked at my husband when, I, when we were getting ready to leave and I said, oh, I just love her so much. I just want to invite her out for coffee and see how she's doing and check in with her. And he looks at me and he says, honey, no, <laughs> she's our pediatrician. She's our pediatrician. All right. And so let's let's leave that boundary there and yeah. um, and let that happen the way it needs to happen. So you're right. It is hard sometimes when you get too focused on people and wanting to always pour into the people that you're not recognizing where some of those, uh, the other things that you still need to accomplish. Right. You know, the model is strong and caring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think your people look for that type of leadership, even in a compassionate leader, you know, I know I don't want somebody that just is going to roll over for every whim. You don't want that, Ray? Mm-hmm. Really? I don't want that of my leaders. <laughs> I don't want that of my leaders. No. Because I... that means they won't have my back. Yeah. Right? It's a great point. They won't tell somebody who's got scope creep, like, nope, they've had enough. We're not taking it on. Mm-hmm. But if they're such a servant leader with that, you know, mindset, then that's probably a 360 approach because how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah, it's really an interesting, I think that it's, it's an interesting concept. It's in my mind, nothing new. Um, I think that you're absolutely right. Servant leadership is just good leadership uh, at its core. And so I'd encourage you um, out there listening, if, if you haven't listened to some of our other episodes, go back and listen to some of those because we, a lot of these things that we break out 
in those individual episodes is exactly what you're encompassing in this concept of servant leadership. Um, But I guess as we start kind of wrapping up, Ray, do you have any final thoughts on this on this topic? You know, I think what I'd say um, is, you know, there you you can read and study and oh, you need these 12 things to be a great leader. You need these seven, you know, things to be a great leader. And I think really what you need is self-awareness and uh, just a a willingness to be a continuous learner. I I think that's what great leaders have. Absolutely. mm -hmm, That sense of self-awareness. Well, and one of the things, I mean, to tag on to that, you're, you know, as you were talking about, read all the articles and, you know, my mind immediately went to, you can study it all you want but you got to put it into practice too. Um, And I think that's part of it is you can spend so much time consuming and trying to understand where do I want to start that you almost get paralyzed and you don't actually ever start. Um, And so I think that that's just something, keep the focus, keep the balance in play there. Keep your focus on people, understand you still have to be decisive, study and learn, also take action. I think there's always balances in any of those areas. And then figuring out who you are authentically as a leader mm. and not trying to be the leader in the book you just read. Right. Right. Because you right. have your own strengths, mm-hmm. your own talents, and and you need to be you because nobody does that better than you. Yep. Going back to my favorite quote that I got over here, John Mason, you were born an original. Don't die a copy. There you go. Don't die a copy. So, all right, Ray. Well, thank you for the great conversation this morning. Absolutely. And we will, uh, we'll have Dewey back on here uh, shortly. I'm, I'm assuming here in the next few episodes, but uh, I always love it when we get time to chat. And so if you have any thoughts, any questions, any comments, so go ahead and leave those in the comments section below or send us an email at mti at missouri.edu. You can also click any of the links uh, below the description in this podcast to go ahead and sign up for our newsletter to submit your topic ideas, um, all of those fun things. So until next time, go be great. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of The Weekly Workplace. Yes.